Hello, active and inactive listeners, you monarchs here to behold this swelling scene. I am Dob Birch, and this is my colleague and artist-in-arms, Madeline Waddle. Hello! We're back again with the first installment of ART's Much Ado About Nothing. Plus an interview with Leonardo and the great Arden Community College academic, Angus Mobile. So tie on your grass skirt and join us under the tropical skies at Leonardo's. Here on the Horned Moon Presents. The Horn and Moon Presents broadcasts on 96.5 KMEW. Meow. The Cat. Bringing up-to-date arts coverage to Milford Haven, Padua, Verona, Elsa, Nor, and the unincorporated area of Rome. This week's arts calendar kicks off with another night at the studio hosted by Claude Perkowski. This week, participants will be working on a variety of wall treatments, learning how to bring art into the home through decor. It's a hands-on work night as participants practice their skills in Perkowski's studio. Perk considers the studio to be a communal artwork, and when all the work is done, uh, he will be installing a brass plaque identifying the community artists who have contributed. To attend this week's night at the studio and be included in that, the cost is only $180. Now, Dob, our next event doesn't exactly qualify as an arts event, but it's generating so much buzz in the community that we wanted to be sure to share it. Phil Rupp, owner of Hilario's Pizza Pie, has opened his new venture, Puck Off, Arden County's miniature hockey rink. The grand opening is this weekend with the all-county mini hockey tournament. Teams of four are invited to sign up and face off on the miniature rink complete with windmills, two volcano goals, and unlicensed Godzilla and Mothra-like goalkeepers. I will be playing on the Wily Witches, a team composed of myself, Celia Tittle, and Imogen and Mariah Smythe. Dob, you're playing in the tournament as well, aren't you? That's right. The Diogenes Four is a team of me, Jasper Kane, Ben Mott, and Pete Neptune. Should be a lot of fun. Next Tuesday, join the Green Folk for their quarterly release of sound in the Tarpeian Wood. Whether you wish to sing, scream, or let out a barbaric yop, the release of sound is a communal moment of letting go via noise. This quarter, the event will be happening within Claude Prakowski's Tree Sun installment so you can delight your eyes while you let your voice ring out. Waddle, you usually release sound with the green folk, don't you? I do, Dob. I find a good yell to be restorative. You should join us. I don't think yelling in the forest is going to cure what ails me. I prefer a more active approach. But there are some things in life that you can't change. And for those things, you can either beat your head endlessly against a wall or come yell in the forest with friends. I'll consider it. Hurrah! Up next, we are unveiling our new Dogs of War segment. But first, a word from one of our sponsors. Hello, listeners. I'm Simon Tittle, Vice Director of Internal Affairs and Public Relations at Helicanus Corp. If you aren't already one of our clients, you might wonder what Helicanus can do for you. The better question might be, what can't we do? At our downtown Milford Haven location, we're busy managing portfolios, mining data, divesting and diversifying investments, coordinating charitable giving, arranging hits, assisting administrators, and doing it all with a smile. 
Prefer a more personalized experience? Our VIP clients are assigned a case manager out of our lushly appointed Padua location to personally oversee all their needs. You can trust us. We're Helicanus Corp., your second in command. Ah, it's always good to hear from Mr. Simon Tittle, even in an advertisement. So, not unlike the board of ART, Dob and I have made some changes to respond to the new mood in the Arden County arts community. You'll hear some more probing interviews with our guests. Thanks to an amazing masterclass I took taught by a former intern, Barbara Walters. And we're introducing a new segment to better facilitate discussion of hot button topics of concern. In it, Dob and I will each take a position on a hot button issue and hash it out. If you've got an opinion, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or by email. This week, we'll be discussing the efficacy of Mason's Q&As and our response to the audition process for Much Ado. Waddle will be taking a pro-Mason and his changes view. I will be taking the correct anti-stance. This is The Dogs of War. So last night was the second of Art's new monthly Q&As with their artistic liaison, and I still have questions that remain unanswered. Like what? Why was Mason chosen for this position? How is he qualified to mend the rifts in our community? Is he moving away from the realm of cliques and favoritism or just crowning new favorites? Dob, ours is not to reason why. For better or worse, the board moves in mysterious ways. Let's just assume it's for the better and that Mason was chosen, perhaps, because he was the only one with any ideas of how to approach mending those rifts. As for your claims of favoritism, what is your evidence? Well, first of all, he cast himself and his best friend, Wink Tittle, it, not just in main roles, but in combination roles that dominate the script. That was in response to the small turnout at auditions. Mason also cast newcomer Phoebe Gherkin, a virtual unknown to everyone in art, and recent Arden County transplant. He gave increased roles to relative rookies Angus Mobile and Pete Neptune, plus plum roles to some returning veterans like Claude Perkowski and Lucretia Page, not to mention yours truly. What more do you want in casting? Okay. Okay, granted. But in terms of artistically, la artistically liaising, I don't, know, I don't know or understand what his function is supposed to be. To be God's representative on earth? Or more accurately, the board's representative to the greater community? Someone had to absorb Diana's fury at not being cast, and I think he withstood it like a champ. Right. And that's another thing. Doesn't it seem at all suspicious that you're the only woman returning from McBetterment? Where's Agatha Valmont? Where's Diana? If he'd cast Diana, you'd claim that it was because they were dating, though evidently not anymore based on some of what she said at the Q&A. Okay, Waddle, so there it is. You are hitting the nail on the head. This is the problem with Mason. He brings us all down to his level, wondering who's dating who, what deals are being made behind closed doors. He makes everything personal. No, I think he brings you down to a weird level, but also... And I think you may struggle with this a little, but everything is personal. No. No, it's not just me. When was the last time Wink Tittle refused to give odds on a role because everyone, 
you and I included, assumed that the director's girlfriend would get the part. Yeah, well, in hindsight, we all look like jerkwads, don't we? Besides, I point to, one, Agatha Velmont and Braun Talbot have never auditioned for the same show after the rumor mill went crazy speculating whether they'd gotten together before or after he cast her as Dido. If they ever got together at all, that's never been confirmed. Don't be a ninny, Dob. Everyone knows they are Arden County's secretive power couple. Secondly, if you want to look at patterns of sticky personal entanglements, Diana Purblind. Diana assumed that she had the role. Why would she make that assumption if promises weren't made? Because Diana played the lead for every single show directed by Jeffrey Baggett for the three years they were engaged. And everyone has assumed at various times that Jeff, Claude Perkowski, Lucretia Page, and even you and I have a connection with someone on the board, which gives us special privileges. But the truth is... The truth is we have always held the horned moon above gossip, and this is what Mason has brought us to. Rehashing actors' old romances on air. I don't think Mason is to blame for that. But you're right. Look... Everyone is a little panicked right now about where ART goes from here, and maybe Mason wasn't the obvious choice to mend those fences. Says the obvious choice. But he's charming, and I know that doesn't always seem trustworthy, but I have a sneaking suspicion he might be kind. And while I know my unexpected Beatrice windfall may make me a touch biased, this far into the process, I think he might be a damn good director. And just what ART needs. Well, the proof will be in the pudding, or the playing, I suppose. So let's put it to the test. Here, folks, is the first installment of Much Ado About Nothing, Herald of Joy. say Leonardo's is a great place to fall in love? Well, we fell in love there. More than that, we got married there. Twice, practically. No, once. Really only once. The first wedding was a bit of a disaster. Didn't count. No, no, it didn't count. But it was still romantic in its way. You're lucky I married you at all after that. The course of love never did run smooth, but I think it made it sweeter, didn't it? Don't listen to him. He's a doofus. I'll tell you how it started. We, those of us that lived there, you know, my dad, my cousin Beatrice, the household, we were all there on the beach, just chillin', when a uniformed messenger ran pell-mell towards my father with a letter in her hand. I learn in this letter that Don Pedro of Aragon comes this night to Messina. He is very near by this. He was not three leagues off when I left him. How many gentlemen have you lost in this act? But few of any sort, and none of name. That victory is twice itself when the Achiever brings home full numbers. Though I find here that Don Pedro hath bestowed much honor on a young Florentine called Claudia. Much deserved on his part, and equally remembered by Don Pedro. He hath borne himself beyond the promise of his age, doing in the figure of a lamb the feats of a lion. I pray you, is Signor Montanto returned from the wars, or no? 
I know none of that name, lady. There was none such in the army of any sort. Who is needed to ask for me? My cousin means Signor Benedict of Padua. Oh, he's returned, and as pleasant as ever he was. I pray you, how many hath he killed and eaten in these wars? But how many hath he killed? For indeed, I promise to eat all of his killing. Please, you tax Signor Benedict too much. But he'll be meet with you, I doubt not. He hath done good service, lady, in these wars. You had musty victual, and he hath helped to eat it. And a good soldier too, lady. And a good soldier to a lady, but what is he to a lord? A lord to a lord, a man to a man, stuffed with all honorable virtues. You must not, sir, mistake my need. There is a kind of merry war between Signor Benedict and her. They never meet, but there's a skirmish of wit between them. Alas, he gets nothing by that. In our last conflict, four of his five wits went halting off, and now is the whole man governed with one. Who is his companion now? He hath every month a new sworn brother. Is't possible? Very easily possible. He wears his faith, but as the fashion of his hat, it ever changes with the next block. I see, lady, the gentleman is not in your books. No. And he were, I would burn my study. But I pray you, who is his companion? Is there no young squarer now that will make a voyage with him to the devil? He is most in the company of the right noble Claudio. God help the noble Claudio. If he have caught the Benedict, it will cost him a thousand pound ere he be cured. I will hold friends with you, lady. Do, good friend. Don Pedro is approached. My cousin Beatrice had a long-standing feud with Benedict Montanto. Nobody really knows why. I have my guesses, but that's not the point. The point is that Don Pedro and all his men came striding up the beach, looking very handsome all in uniform. One more handsome than the other. One of them more handsome than the others. Good Signor Leonardo, are you come to meet your trouble? The fashion of the world is to avoid cost and you encounter it. Never came trouble to my house in the likeness of your grace. But when you depart from me, sorrow abides and happiness takes its leave. You embrace your charge too willingly. I think this is your daughter. Her mother has many times told me so. Were you in doubt, sir, that you asked her? Signor Benedict, no, for then you were a child. Truly, the lady fathers herself. Be happy, lady, for you are like an honorable father. If Signor Leonato be her father, she would not have his head on her shoulders for all Messina, as like him as she is. I wonder that you will still be talking, Signor Benedict. Nobody marks you. What, my dear lady Disdain, are you yet living? Is it possible Disdain should die while she hath such meat food to feed it as Signor Benedict? Courtesy itself must convert to Disdain if you come in her presence. Then is courtesy a turncoat, but it is certain I am loved of all ladies, only you accepted, and I would I could find in my heart that I had not a hard heart, for truly I love none. A dear happiness to women. They would else have been troubled with a pernicious suitor. I thank God in my cold blood I am of your humor for that. I had rather hear my dog bark at a crow than a man swear he loves me. 
God keep your ladyship still in that mind. So some gentleman or other shall scape a predestinate scratched face. Scratching could not make it worse than twere such a face as yours were. Well, you are a rare parrot teacher. A bird of my tongue is better than a beast of yours. I would my horse had the speed of your tongue and so good a continuer. But keep your way of God's name, I have done. You always end with a jade's trick. I know you of old. That is the sum of all, Leonardo. Signor Claudio, Signor Benedict, my dear friend Leonardo hath invited you all. I tell him we shall stay here at the least a month, and he heartily prays some occasion may detain us longer. I dare swear he is no hypocrite, but he prays from his heart. If you swear, my lord, you shall not be forsworn. Let me bid you welcome, my lord. Being reconciled to the prince, your brother, I owe you all duty. I thank you. I am not of many words, but I thank you. Please, it your grace, lead on. Your hand, Leonardo. We will go together. And as all the ladies left us, I saw Hero wink at me as she went. There was something in my eye. She winked. I winked. Benedict, didst thou note the daughter of Signor Leonardo? I noted her not, but I looked on her. Is she not a modest young lady? Why, if faith methinks she's too low for a high praise, too young for a wise praise, and too little for great praise. Only this commendation I can afford her, that were she other than she is, she were unhandsome, and being no other but as she is, I do not like her. Thou thinkest I am in sport. I pray thee tell me truly how thou likest her. Would you buy her that you inquire after her? Can the world buy such a jewel? Yea, in a case to put it into. But speak you this with a sad brow? Come, in what key shall a man take you to go in the song? In mine eyes she is the sweetest lady that ever I looked on. I can see yet without spectacles, and I see no such matter. There's her cousin, and she were not possessed with a fury, exceeds her as much in beauty as the first of May doth the last of December. But I have hope you have no intent to turn husband, have you? I would scarce trust myself, though I had sworn the contrary. Hero would be my wife. Is come to this. In faith, hath not the world one man, but he will wear his cap with suspicion? Shall I never see a bachelor of three score again? Don Pedro is returned to seek you. What secret hath held you here that you followed not to Leonardo's? I would your grace would constrain me to tell. I charge thee on thy allegiance. You hear, Count Claudio? I can be secret as a dumb man. I would have you think so, but on my allegiance, mark you this, on my allegiance, he is in love. With who? Now that is your grace's part. Mark how short his answer is. With hero, Leonardo's short daughter. If this were so, so were it uttered. Like the old tale, my lord, it is not so, nor twas not so, but indeed, God forbid it should be so. If my passion change not shortly, God forbid it should be otherwise. Well, amen, if you love her. For the lady is very well worthy. You speak this to fetch me in, my lord. By my troth, I speak my thought. And in faith, my lord, I spoke mine. And by my two faiths and troths, my lord, I spoke mine. That I love her, I feel. That she is worthy, I know. That I neither feel how she should be loved, nor know how she should be worthy, is the opinion that fire cannot melt out of me. I will die in it at the stake. Thou wast ever an obstinate heretic in the despite of beauty never could maintain his part but in the force of his will. 
that a woman conceived me, I thank her. That she brought me up, I likewise give her most humble thanks. But that I will hang my bugle in an invisible baldric, all women shall pardon me. The fine is, for the which I may go the finer, I will live a bachelor. I shall see thee, ere I die, look pale with love. With anger, with sickness, or with hunger, my lord, not with love. Prove that ever I lose more blood with love than I will get again with drinking. Pick out mine eyes with a ballad maker's pen and hang me up at the door of a brothel house for the sign of a blind Cupid. Well, as time shall try. In time, the savage bull doth bear the yoke. The savage bull may, but if ever the sensible Benedict bear it, pluck off the bull's horns and set them in my forehead, and let me be vilely painted, and in such great letters let them signify under my sign, here you may see Benedict, the married man. Well, you will temporize with the hours. In the meantime, good Signor Benedict, repair to Leonardo's. Commend me to him, and tell him I will not fail him at supper, for indeed he hath made great preparation. I have almost matter enough in me for such an embassage, and so I commit you. To the tuition of God, from my house, if I had it. The 6th of July. Your loving friend, Benedict. <laughs> Nay, mock not, mock not. Ere you flout old ends any further, examine your conscience, and so I leave you. My liege. Your Highness now may do me good. My love is thine to teach. Teach it but how, and thou shalt see how apt it is to learn any hard lesson that may do thee good. Dost thou affect her, Claudio? My lord, when you went onward in this ended action, I looked upon her with a soldier's eye. But now I am returned, and that war thoughts have left their places vacant. In their rooms come thronging soft and delicate design, all prompting me how fair young hero is saying I liked her ere I went to wars. Thou wilt be like a lover presently, and tire the hearer with a book of words. If thou dost love fair hero, cherish it, and I will break with her and with her father, and thou shalt have her. T'was not to this end that thou began'st to twist so fine a story. How sweetly you do minister to love that no loves grief by his complexion. But lest my liking might too sudden seem, I would have salved it with the longer treatise. And I will fit thee with the remedy. I know we shall have reveling tonight. I will assume thy part in some disguise, and tell fair hero I am Claudio, and in her bosom I'll unclasp my heart. Then after to her father will I break, and the conclusion is, she shall be thine. In practice, let us put it presently. That was your first mistake. What? You could have wooed me for yourself and left Don Pedro to talk to my father. I was nervous. And stupid. My aunt heard that the prince was after my hand, not you. She was very excited. She told my father right away. How now, sister? Where's my cousin, your son? Has he provided the music? He is very busy about it. But brother, I can tell you strange news that you yet dreamt not of. The prince and Count Claudio walking in a thick bleached alley in mine orchard, were thus much overheard by a man of mine. The prince discovered to Claudio that he loved my niece, your daughter, and meant to acknowledge it this night in a dance, and if he found her accordant, instantly break with you of it. Hath the fellow any wit that told you this? Oh, good sharp fellow. 
I will send for him and question him yourself. Uh, no. No. We will hold it as a dream till it appear itself. But I will acquaint my daughter with all. <laughs> Go you and tell her of it. And of course, there were other things happening that we can only really guess at that we only knew after the fact. I always pictured Don John and his henchmen scurrying around like rats or cockroaches, plotting evil plots just to make people suffer. Well, that sounds exactly like them. Don Pedro always said his brother was terribly unhappy and terribly alone. That's no excuse. We are none of us perfect. What the good year, my lord? Why are you thus out of measure sad? There is no measure in the occasion that breeds. Therefore, the sadness is without limit. You should hear reason. And when I have heard it, what blessing brings it? If not a present remedy, at least a patient sufferance. I wonder that thou goest about to apply a moral medicine to a mortifying mischief. I cannot hide what I am. I must be sad when I have cause, and smile at no man's jest, eat when I have stomach, and wait for no man's leisure, sleep when I am drowsy, and tend on no man's business, laugh when I am merry, and claw no man in his humor. Yea, but you must not make full the show of this till you may do it without controlment. You have of late stood out against your brother, and he hath ta'en you newly into his grace, where it is impossible you should take true root but by the fair weather that you make yourself. It is needful that you frame the season for your own harvest. I had rather be a canker in a hedge than a rose in his grace. In this, though I cannot be said to be a flattering, honest man, it must not be denied that I am a plain-dealing villain. I am trusted with a muzzle and enfranchised with a clog. Therefore, I have decreed not to sing in my cage. If I had my mouth, I would bite. If I had my liberty, I would do my liking. In the meantime, let me be that I am and seek not to alter me. Can you make no use of your discontent? I make all use of it, for I use it only. Who comes here? What news, Baraccio? The prince, your brother, is royally entertained by Leonato, and I can give you intelligence of an intended marriage. Will it serve for any model to build mischief on? What is he for a fool that betroths himself to unquietness? Married is your brother's right hand. The most exquisite, Claudio. Even he. A proper squire. Hmm. And who? And who? Which way looks he? Mary, one hero, the daughter and heir of Leonardo. <laughs> A very forward march, chick. <laughs> How came you to this? Uh, being entertained for a perfumer as I was smoking a musty room. Comes me, the prince, and Claudio in sad conference. I, I whipped me behind the arras, and there heard it agreed upon that the prince shall woo Hero for himself, and having obtained her, give her to Clown Claudio. Uh, come, come, let us thither. 
this may prove food to my displeasure. That young startup hath all the glory of my overthrow. If I can cross him any way, I bless myself every way. You are both sure and will assist me? To the death, my lord. Let us to the great supper. Their cheer is the greater that I am subdued. Would the cook were of my mind? Shall we go prove what's to be done? We'll wait upon your lordship. They were already plotting ways to part us before I'd yet spoken to you. Before even Don Pedro had spoken to me for you? I would pay anything to go back in time and just change things then and make myself a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser. But after this, there was the masquerade and all the joy of that night. I wouldn't risk that by going back. That was a golden moment. It was like the last night of youth. The last time I was happy without the fear I would someday be sad. And we were so blissfully, artlessly, splendidly happy then. That night is a story that I never mind telling. I'm happy to say that was a surprisingly strong start. While Waddle and today's guest, Angus Mobile, head over to the studio and settle in for today's interview, here's this week's line of the week. I'd rather hear a dog bark at a crow than a man swear he loves me. Mention the line of the week at Morning Like Morning Lark Diner for half off their waffle of the week. Keeping in theme, this week's waffle is the Leonardo, a crisp honey wheat waffle topped with pecans, rich maple syrup, and freshly whipped cream. And here's the crisp honey wheat waffle himself. Welcome to the studio, Professor Angus Mobile. <laughs> great, great to be back. Although I feel a little unmoored without my two uh, brother Thane, Pete and Claude. You'll, you'll do just fine, Angus, I promise. <laughs> I've never known you to leave a silence too long. Angus, uh, Waddle, really terrific work from both of you tonight. Oh, thanks. Thank you. And uh, Angus, I want to dive right in and uh, just pick up where we left off with the Dogs of War. What's your take on Mason's new approach to the ART method? Well, I, I don't have much to compare it to. I just sort of uh, uh, do what I'm told and pick up cues from the other actors. But don't you feel like there's a sense of cronyism or Mason's putting together like his group of favorites uh, to further entrench himself in art? Or do you think Dobb has created a conspiracy theory from scratch here? Well, I, I, I just think uh, directors, are, in my limited experience, are naturally drawn to people with whom they feel uh, simpatico, and that's reflected in the work. Like Mason seems to have a blossoming, blossoming relationship with that Phoebe girl, and that is really paying off in the performance. I think you're absolutely right. And I, I don't know how you feel, Angus, but I feel like there is a greater sense of camaraderie this time around. Yeah, it could be weird because I have now my old, my, my new friends from the last show are now my old friends and I have a group of new friends and I, I just have so many friends. Well, nobody can have too many friends, I don't think. Mm. Um, I, I disagree. <laughs> you would. 
Uh, Angus, you've taken on the role of Leonardo, a role that when we were discussing uh, callbacks, I, I stated that I think it's one of the most challenging roles in the show, if not in the can canon, uh, without giving too much away about what's coming up. What challenges are you looking forward to? Well, it, it, it really runs a gamut. For, for a role that's not a lead, it has comedy, drama, uh, tearing an emotion to tatters. But I, 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 I often think about um, Alfred Hitchcock when he was directing uh, his protege, Tippi Hedren, in Marnie, and she was very concerned, he just explained to her that even though the role is so overwhelming, she could perform every individual piece and it would all fit together. And that's sort of the way I'm looking at it now. You feel like it's a little bit easier to be doing the show in, in segments rather than all in one go? Would you be a little bit more nervous about it if, if we were a traditional theater that actually did it all in one night? I probably would be because I don't have a, a deep acting technique that allows me to stay immersed in the persona of the character for a long period of time. And as a relatively new actor with a quite difficult role, um, do you feel like Mason is your Alfred Hitchcock? Is he supporting your process or supporting you learning what your process is? Well, he, he's very intuitive. And I love trying to anticipate what he's going to ask us to do. So I just think of this as another exciting roller coaster ride after all the, the sad things that have happened in my life recently. I'm always suspicious when a director relies on intuition. It's one of the reasons I avoid the stage is, you know, organic blocking feels like they don't have a plan. Intuitive feels like they haven't read the play. Um, is that your experience with Mason so far? I wouldn't say that, but you might know better than I. I would definitely say that's not been my experience. And I think the intuitive is nice. Sometimes you don't always need to know the whys um, and let the audience answer those questions and just take care of the what's. But aside from art, um, Ingus, you, you are a relative newcomer to Arden County as a whole. As you said, you're becoming a veteran art actor and getting a little more entrenched here. And you're bringing some new ideas and projects to the area. Uh, is Arden County starting to feel like home? It, it, it really is. And I think being occupied with art is really helping. So I can't dwell on the past so much. Excellent, excellent. Well, and I do want to share my condolences on the loss of Ben Roy. He, mm. His passing was a loss to the community and ART, but it's so nice having you sort of step in to fill that gap in some ways. And to you as well, weren't you college roommates? We, we were, we shared a lot. I just know, you know, being surrounded in the studio with my college friends and high school friends, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose one of them. It was really very uh, trying. Um, he, uh, he's a very special person. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We shared a lot and I will always hold him in my heart. He was so wise. He used to say things like, life is like a sewer. What you get out of it depends on what you put into it. And I've always remembered that. Wise indeed. 
Mm. Indeed. And his his sort of um, melancholy personality forced me to be more outgoing, which would not normally be my nature. But I sort of learned that from him. I know we always loved having Ben on the show. Mm. Absolutely. How do you find uh, working on, you did say that uh, the show has provided something of a distraction. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on how that distraction has been manifesting? Well, there, I mean, there's a nexus, I think, between some of the um, trials that Leonardo goes through and also things that have happened in my life. And I don't, again, I don't know so much about the acting, but um, but but being forced to confront those things in the course of rehearsal has been very challenging. And actually, Mason has been quite understanding. You'd be very proud of him, I think. I think so, too. Now, typically, we see backstage affairs of more of the romantic nature, but... I don't think I'm alone in noticing the friendship that has grown between you and Pete Neptune since oh. Mackers. And it's such a delight to see what brings an accomplished academic like yourself into such accord with the Arthur Fonzarelli of Arden County. Well, he is a Fonzarelli. He, he's a man of the soil, but he has the soul of a poet. And that's really what it is. He is really an artist. And he also, uh, he lives so in the moment that he is able to sort of infuse anyone he's around with that joy of the quotidian life. It seems like the two of you are popping up at almost every big Arden County event. I mean, mm. last week I saw you at the Church of the Old Man Talbot's annual revelation. Um, you know, I see you at everything, things that I haven't gone to as a, as a longtime resident, only things that Waddle drags me to. Um, but uh, as somebody who didn't grow up around the, the COMT, what did you make of that? Well, I, I don't literally think about the religious aspect, more about the community aspect, and even the theatrical aspect. I thought it was a wonderful coming together and quite a spectacle, really. Now, um, as an academic and a, shall we say, the wise man of Arden County, uh, I'm interested to see what your take was on this year's revelation. Um, ask for nothing, receive everything. How will you be interpreting those words in the coming year? I, I, I think it speaks to uh, not having an expectation of a transactional approach to life. Uh, again, I think... Pete is a wonderful guide in that mindset, I believe, as well. And that's how I think um, it will be. I mean, for one thing, one of the reasons I started the lecture series was that it would give people an opportunity to experience other uh, strains of thought and also to express their own uh, philosophical bent. Can I confess to both of you until uh, until going to the revelation finally this year, I had no idea that that billboard on the interstate was always just the words. I was I was utterly perplexed why somebody put a fortune cookie up there every year. Uh, but now it makes so much more sense. Oh, 
Oh, in so many ways, Dob, you are also like a newcomer to Arden County, despite having lived here for so long. Anyway, uh, Angus, you've you've been branching out all over the place, even more than a homebody like me. Um, and uh, you've spearheaded a new uh, community college lecture series at, at Arden CC. Um, what can you tell our listeners about that? Well, I think it's an opportunity for uh, people who are, are not overly educated, people that are autodidactic, to share what they've learned. And they can bring their own passion in a more relatable way than a dry academic group. And again, maybe foster some new little subgroups of study or even social groups. And I understand that you've invited Benedict Mott to be your inaugural speaker for this series. I think he'll be talking about his um, anthropomorphic morality theory that I could frankly not untangle, but I know they were a cornerstone of his interview with you last year. Yes, I do vaguely remember some conversation about the death of Bambi. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear more about that and see if he sort of codified those ideas into something different. Yes, it will be. And that will spur others to also step forward and share. Absolutely. I mean, I think that Dob probably has a lecture building in him somewhere, I'm sure. I don't think I could do it without you. Uh, challenging me every step of the way. That's how the rants really go. Is is I, I'm more of a back and forth. I don't think I'm a lecturer. Well, maybe I can stand behind the podium with a cattle prod, <laughs> or uh, or just heckle from the audience, maybe. <laughs> now, Angus, uh, we do have a gift for you in the studio tonight. Sort of a welcome fully to the ART fold gift. Um, the newly opened Cressida Vineyards created a special red blend for you after hearing our prior interview and learning that your pet name for your late wife was Cressida. So here it is. It's named oh. Angus's Cressida, and it's available only for a limited time. You can see there's a pair of Angus cows smooching there on the label. I love the eyes of the cows. They're so beautiful. This is too much. You're going to make me cry. I'm so sorry. I, 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 I really can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, let's all, uh, let's go ahead and open the other bottle here and pour a glass for each of us. And uh, Waddle uh -huh. will hit you up with the uh, question of the week. All right, here we go. Angus, your question is, oh, and it's from Much Ado. And what have I to give you back whose worth may counterpoise this rich and precious gift? And what have I to give you back whose worth may counterpoise this rich and precious gift? Oh, uh, as the kids say, everything in the bag of chips. I love it. Well, we'll be back next week with the next installment of Much Ado About Nothing and an interview with the King of the Bees, oh. Pete Neptune. Pete. Until then, the show is our show. And these dogs are my dogs. Ruff, 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 ruff. We're Waddle. And Dob. 
And this has been The Horned Moon Presents. The Horned Moon Presents is written by Merlin Cusell and produced by me, Marshall B. Garrett. Merlin plays Waddle and I play Dobb. Our guest this week was Dave DeChristopher as Angus Mobile. Our music is, as always, by J. Andrew Dickinson and mixed by Eric Bostick. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook to keep up with the latest in Arden County, even between the episodes. Now fare you well, for now our show is done. Until next week, when Claudio's hearts are run. Ours be your patience, friends, and yours our parts. Your gentle ears lend us, and take our hearts.